Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. <laughs> I managed to make Jim laugh before the show started. It's 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 going to take a lot to make me laugh today. I'll tell you. That. Uh, yeah, Jim sounds like he's having a hell of a day. Um, oh God, he's here by the grace of God because his computer has broken no less than twice this or in the last week. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's online now. <laughs> let's hope the whole show. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't crash. If 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 Jim drops out in the middle of the show, I'm prepared to go on without him. There you go. Uh, there's a. Uh, there might be a blue screen of death. Um, that might be how this ends. But anyway, um, so, you know, you, you guys listen to this show. You know that we do stuff here. And um, we do stuff. Uh, that's what we do. We do stuff um, and things. things and yes. Stuff. I was trying to avoid that, but I knew that's where <laughs> this was going. Um, so, obviously, we have a show. We're on – this is like episode 170, Jim. I believe it's episode 171. Jeez, it's crazy. Okay. Um, we started in 2017. If you want to, if you want to continue to support our show and follow our show, listen to our show, share it on your social uh, uh, media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff, please do Instagram. Um, we're on all those. We have, you know, handles for you can look for us. Other people's Um, shows. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, if you want to just jump on somebody else's show and be like, you guys suck. These guys are way better. That's cool. Uh, just don't tell them we told you to say that. Um, (laughs) So anyway, uh, it, it, we have a YouTube channel too. Um, there's some videos out there. We're planning on doing more YouTube content this year. Yep. My floors are getting done. That's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as at practicalguitarist. I'm not super active on Twitter for the Twitter account right now, but uh, I would yeah. highly recommend you guys do that. Um, you can donate to our show starting at $1, um, which we have a lot of $1 patrons, and that's help keep the lights on. That's over at uh, patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. You can buy logo merchandise to support the show over at Threadless. Our Threadless store is https practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com. You know where the slashes go. Um, And uh, yeah, we also have a extremely active Facebook group. If you're listening to the show, I would highly recommend you join it. We are now sticking this either in the beginning or in the middle of the episode now because we know people don't listen to the beginning. 
So right. we thought we would uh, we would get some people to actually realize that there's a community that drives this show. You know, you know the other thing about our community, and I just want to say this is that everybody knows it, it's kind of like a little online family. Seriously, it's. Oh, I know when it, I'm talking behind people's backs, it's great. It's awesome <laughs> because you can you know exactly how to do it. Um, so. We also have an Amazon affiliate link, folks, and I tried to use it today. I'm going to be honest with you. So um, as David mentioned, my computer's gone down. It's gone down actually three times this week. Um, twice today it crashed. Um, I don't think it's long for this earth. Uh, so I ordered a new computer. It's supposed to be here Thursday. I had to order it from Best Buy because the only people that had anything in stock that fit my criteria – um, was Best Buy. And that included, believe it or not, my monitor. I went to buy the monitor on the affiliate link. And guess what? I couldn't because um, Amazon didn't have any monitors that I want. I wanted a curved 27 inch, at least 1040K or 1040 um, 1080. or 1080p. Thank, yeah. thank you. And uh, I wanted um, to have at least 144 hertz refresh rate. Um, and I got 160 something or whatever. Yeah, 165. But, yeah, 165. We have but the I, same I, line. If we have, yeah, the same we have. Line, I think we line. have the same computer. We have the same MSI lap. Or I mean, uh, at least the line. Yours is a you got. Yeah, right? you got the AG 27C. I got the AG 32C. <laughs> yeah, I got the. Yeah, I got the. I got the 27. It's it, uh, Best Buy has its own part number, but that's the one. Um, so it's a. Uh, you know, it's really nice. And like I said, I want to get it to them. But the thing is, this is something that, that I, I really didn't think about when it comes to this Corona thing is laptops, desktops. Um, They're all in demand for RAM, right now. Uh, yeah, they're they're getting sold to kids who's staying home to do online, online schools, online work, online people who are working from home that have never worked from home before, and who had a desktop or, or I mean, I'm sorry, a tablet, and think, oh, I could just log in and work from my tablet. Uh no. No, most places are not going to let you do that. And even if you can, it's not realistic and an all-day thing to be staring at an 11 inch screen. Uh, and and typing with your fingers and, on a touch screen. And there's a whole reason why this is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, so, so, yeah. No. All right. All right. So we have the Amazon affiliate link. Um, I can't give you the URL because it's just a bunch of random characters. It's in our announcements in the Facebook group. Yep. If you click through there and you buy something on Amazon, we get a little a little piece of that. Um, yeah. And actually, that it's no extra cost to you, and you nope. support the show. So right. um, we've actually had a couple bucks come in through the affiliate link. Um, I'd like to see some more money come in through the affiliate link, and it would be yeah, nice. I've... We got a lot of plans for the show, but it, it's hard to do without financial backing. So, Well, yeah, it was funny because I went to use it. I'm like I'm spending two thousand dollars. At least we'll probably get ten bucks out of it or something, right? And yeah. and instead I couldn't get anything because Amazon was dead. Mm -hmm. I I ordered just to give people an idea. I ordered five reams of paper from Amazon. It it does not ship until paper. next week sometime. What the hell is five that? Five reams of paper. What the you hell is paper? that? I know because I have to I have to fax things all over the place or scan them. Well, are you freaking kidding me? I work for the government. I was just gonna say he works for the government. Twenty years behind this everybody. Just point this out. They're still using fax machines, folks. I bet I that's had to cure. <laughs> so as I said to you uh, earlier today, I had I was um I folks I I um I applied for a job, government service job, and uh, so at two thirty in the morning. I'm trying to figure out how to get paper 
to come <laughs> out of my computer so I could sign a document so I could put it back in my computer because it would not take e-sign. You, would not. You, oh, so you had to sign it. Yeah, and yeah. I had to do a DD-214. Those who are out of the service who have an honorable discharge, you know what that is. But Well, typically you could just <clears throat> print it if you have a printer, which I don't. <laughs> right, I, so I had Take to print picture it. Of it. Yeah, and then, and then scan I had to it. sign it and then scan it back to my computer to then email it off. Or you and could it's do, like you could almost do it all with your phone at this point. You could probably actually sign it on your phone and nobody would ever know the difference. True. Um, so True. it's it's a world, world weird world we live in right now. Um, we were commenting that we we had Chipotle <laughs> delivered this evening, and it was like the guy was like he called us. He's like, "Am I at the right place?" He's like, "I'm just gonna leave it out front. You guys can come get it or whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah." no big deal just do it like but then i'm kind of thinking like that is kind of weird you'd have to like let somebody know before you do that or that's the whole thing anyway so it's crazy uh yeah you know obviously we're making our pitch for people to support the show um it's COVID 19 we know people are out of work and stuff like we don't expect yeah. you to really give us anything the whole point is to make you aware that it exists so that yep. you continue to follow the show and if it behooves you then you know go ahead and and Only sharing the show, life. yeah, sharing the show and that's getting free, um, and that's actually the best support we can get from you. That's right free, now. and and I realize that that some of the listenership is down because people aren't traveling and you're not in the gym and you're not, you know, a lot of this stuff is happens or when you're in the news. I mean, that's, right? And a lot of people are listening to news that would otherwise not listen to the news. Um, I don't know what you're and, gonna hear right now because yeah. basically, I just hear every day it's like, hey, remember that thing we told you? Yeah, it's not true anymore. Remember that thing we said yesterday? That's not right. We're not really sure. (laughs) It's like, ah, just shut up. I don't hear it anymore. Like, it sounds like a product announcement. We'll just stay home. And in like July, like maybe we'll start coming out to see the sun, you know, (laughs) and, and, and maybe we won't have turned into vampires at this point and everything will turn around. Um, I don't know. This, this is like, I, I, this world is just maddening to me right now. Yeah. It sounds like a NAM product announcement. It does. It's it's like we promise this will be out. Not available. Maybe May. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Nam stands it'll be, for. It'll, it'll be out sometime this year. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so we had. Uh, I have had. Um, I've been touching base with actually a lot of our show listeners that are in the Facebook group. See, this is what happens if you're in the Facebook group. You get to talk to us. And then you get to like hear your stuff come up on the show yeah. and it's really cool. So join the Facebook group, participate. You'll see people, they yeah. post pedal board pictures and they yell at each other about, you know, Hey, your gear sucks or whatever. No, no that doesn't really happen. No, nobody. Actually does. our group is really supportive. I think we need a that's, little bit of drama. We haven't kicked yeah. anybody out in a while. Maybe that's why nobody's it's like, Oh man, these guys aren't insulting me. It's like going to a Whoopi Goldberg concert yeah. in the eighties. It was like, Nobody's well, I have making to, fun I of have you. To check my, I have to check it and make sure that it's not like sycophantism because I don't want somebody telling me like, you're just great because you're great. No, go to hell. Like, yeah. tell me what I did wrong. Um, anyway, so believe me, I do a lot wrong. Um, I was having a conversation with show listeners and a couple things came up. Um, I was told by one of our show listeners, and this was a totally constructive comment. It was like, you guys aren't practical enough to be calling yourselves the practical guitarists. And um, <laughs> this led to me being like, yeah, you know what? You're actually kind of right, but you kind of misunderstood the definition of how we how we describe practical, right? So when I use the word practical 
and this is something I think we've actually defined this on the show before because there was like a little thread in the group that kind of got out of control. But when we first had this discussion, my whole thing was like we wanted to make a, a guitar podcast for the practicing musician, meaning right. somebody who actually like has a portion of their income or something coming from music, right? That was the idea, the practical practice. Um, right. But in reality, like it's taken on this whole new thing. And I think it's partially because just because of the way that um, the way that our lives have gone as we've been doing the show is we're talking about more practical gear. We're talking about more practical approaches to the instrument. We're yeah. talking about practically navigating your, um, local music scene and those are things that i think we're hitting on but that excludes a certain portion of our audience and that's what i'm realizing is that there are definitely people that are um what we've called on the show before like be like bedroom basement hobbyists and i'm not saying we're going to change the focus of the show to suit those people specifically but i think um we've been excluding that audience pretty pretty hardcore lately and yeah. uh, i think it would be worthwhile to kind of like back up and do a topic um or a set of topics that are more focused on um those people and yeah. um first off i'm calling you people um can we just like i wish we had a name like 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 joe we'll call Folks. him joe. we'll call him joe, joe. okay joe is a guitar player. joe and joey's because joe's can be male and female by the way yes. i have a joe at work and she I'm is the fine. only joe we have at work she's a woman makes no difference i actually like the fact that it's a gender neutral yes. name um yes. So my whole point is that uh, I want to define what I think a Joe is, right? So a Joe is somebody who's bought an instrument. Um, they've probably played for a year or two, like, you know, kind of maybe taking lessons. And they can read tablature. Um, yep. And they basically sit home. And I say sit home, not in a negative connotation, but they sit home. And they are playing like we're like doing now. popular songs, things that they yep. like. Um, and they may be starting to explore like, hey, I can actually make stuff up or I can play different things against music I already know. Or maybe they're experimenting with the Toll Bar Blues and they're doing the sort of like pseudo jam thing with tracks. Yep. Um, but this is someone that is new to the scene. So they're not like they haven't gone out. I would say that most of these people probably have never performed in anyone if they in front of anyone. And if they have, it's probably like a significant other or a you know another family member like a like a kid or something um right. maybe their parents you know depending on what their living situation is but generally speaking their co-workers may not even know they play guitar um yep. they may not yep. know they own a guitar for that matter right. um and so that's why i wanted to like take some time out here and just kind of talk about like what what next steps are there for those people like so you've gotten to the point where you can play most like let's say your your goal was to play Iron Maiden tunes and we I'll pick on them because they're a pretty guitar focused band, right? Oh um, yeah. Your goal was to play Iron Maiden tunes. So now you can play like any of the Iron Maiden tunes you want by just sitting down and kind of like picking them out, you know, and figuring them out. Um that's kind of the like the level of guitar player we're talking about. Somebody who yep. can achieve exactly what they want to achieve. Um, but ne hasn't necessarily figured out like what the next step is. So Jim, what, what do you think the, the next step should be? And then we'll kind of go from there. So I think most people have, have uh, like you said, they, they bought a guitar, kind of played around with it a little bit. I think, I think one of the first things to do is to sit down, whether you take a lesson or you know somebody personally who plays, get a chance to 
be one-on-one in person. We've talked about this before, and I think it's I I I think it goes without saying that the the majority of us who have learned things best learn them from uh, being around other musicians, where we had the chance to really get a um, a view of a three-dimensional, a real three-dimensional view, not some ridiculous computer-generated three-dimensional view of of another player. Um, YouTube uh, and books, and I, I'm guilty of using them consistently, uh, can only take you so far. Um, there's there's two things that you need to be able to do. There's active listening, and then in active listening, we'll we'll you, I'll let you take off with that here in a second. And and then there's active learning. It's not just learning. Don't just watch a YouTube channel. If you're sitting down with a YouTube channel and you're just watching it. Then you're doing the wrong thing. That's not active. That's not active. So, oh, I would say. I mean, so as far as the active viewing is concerned, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch something on YouTube, um, yeah, playing along with it's great if you can. Um, yeah. oftentimes you're looking at things that you don't necessarily know how to do yet. Um, right. I think I think Danny Raven gave us a really interesting commentary on that though, but because he mentioned um, just putting your fingers on the damn fretboard. And doing, trying your best to do what they right. do, and right. even if the notes are all wrong, and if you don't really know it, like that attempt is enough for you to start formulating an idea, and maybe trying to figure things out. I think guitar players today are locked in a pattern of not being able to figure things out, yeah. um, and without a tablature or without, um, without somebody doing a video showing you exactly how to do something. Now. I'm not saying that videos aren't helpful. In fact, I was that kind of arguing in that episode with Danny that, that I think, I think videos are a totally valid tool because right. I, I've never felt like from watching a video, I get a more concise idea of how to do something than if I was standing in the room watching somebody live. Right. Um, the best way to learn how to do something is to understand how it works and then figure out how they did it. So if you don't understand how it works, that's the, that's the way to, to start. But yeah. um yeah, no, for sure. Video, I, I think if you watch it and you're trying to actively grasp what happens and the next thing you do when you pick up your guitar is try to do that thing, okay, that's I would consider that active listening or, or active viewing, right? So active, active listening, viewing. like that really depends. There's a couple of things that active listening can apply to. So number one, that's correct for me, um, I would say active listening is like even when I don't have an instrument in my hands, and I'm listening to a piece of music, and this is – I call this the musician's curse. But it's this whole idea that like I can't listen to music without analyzing it right. and starting to figure out like, hey, what are they doing here? How, why does this work? Why does this piece compel me? Like what's going on that makes me you know, interested in what they're doing? Uh, and those I, – I think I have a very high-level version of that because I've sat with people who will literally sit there and like count rhythm. Like count the meter and then and then tell you what the meter is and stuff. Like I'm not that guy, but I'm more interested in. Okay, this is odd time. Like why did they choose odd time? I, right. I don't care what the meter specifically is, and I know there are certain cases, especially in um, like avant-garde music, where that would be important. But um, for me, it's kind of just try to figure out what's going on in it. And then the other part is the active listening thing. Uh, is trying to formulate an idea of how you would do the same thing, I guess. And it's really part of the same component, I suppose. Um, but 
also like understanding that when you hear somebody else playing like what you would play against them, which is like taking what you're – it's basically the, the practice of ingesting something and then ejecting something on the other side. And and whatever – you're like a factory. Whatever comes out the other side is you know kind of the pro, the product of the act of listening. Um, mm-hmm. So it's assimilating something. Um, right. What you know, the the way you'll practice this if you're playing with someone else is you will actively listen to what they're doing, and you will in real time react to it. Right. And it's um, if you've never done it, since we're talking about um, intermediate musicians, if you've never played with somebody else, it's a skill on, all unto itself, and it's like talking. You get fluent at it, and you don't really. Um, I would say you don't. It's not like a conscious effort to like disassemble what the other person is doing you just Mm -hmm. automatically do it and um it just becomes a part of like how you how you navigate the world now your vocabulary just like everything else it's built by doing repetition stuff at home um reading dictionaries and that kind of thing nobody i i read a dictionary when i was a kid but most people are not that insane yeah (laughs) um but if you've ever done like read, read an encyclopedia or like picked up an encyclopedia volume and just looked through it, like that's kind of the same idea. You take all this other knowledge that you have from other music and from your own playing, and then you just kind of regurgitate that stuff in different orders and different characters. And um, you might modulate things and do different things to make it your own. But ultimately what you're doing is you're assembling a vocabulary of words, which happens to be musical phrases. And then you're putting them together in sentences, which happens to be like parts of a song or parts of an improvisation or whatever. Right. Uh, so I want to take um, active listening and, and jamming to just a little bit higher of a level. And that is that. So when you jam, let's say you can do this in your head. Let's say you're taking a shower, right? You're listening to your uh, music that's playing in the background while you're in the shower, while you're washing the car or jogging or whatever in your head, you could create um, a, a response to what is being played. So one of the things that I'll do in my head is I'll, let's say a, a vocal phrase comes in and then I'll do a, a guitar response in my head. And that, that's kind of an active listening in that I understand what was just said musically tonally, melodically, harmonically. And then I'm responding to it with another melodic um, phrase. Um, and I can respond, if I had a guitar, I could res- I could respond with a harmonic phase because a harmonic phrase takes up more than one note at times, you know. Um, and uh, a, a melodic phrase is typically more in a single note fashion. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that an active listening allows you or, or is you the person that's doing the listening to go, okay, I'm going to do that. And you can, you can do that while you're driving alone. You can hum along to a song and then just, instead of trying to hum exactly what the guitar solo is doing, start humming something that you think of that comes into your head and kind of try to try to push the guitar solo as it is out. And try to think, okay, what would I do? I used to do this when I was um, in the 80s. I was younger. Uh, I was in my 20s. It's pretty funny. I would uh, I'd tell my friend, hey, I wrote this, this solo. 
and it'd be this uh this slow you know country song or something like that and then i would play like this this wheedly 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 thing over it you go what the hell was that i said that's what i heard in my head was was this thing not what what was played so it might be like this slow you know and i'm like and and it but i try to make sure that what i do or what i was doing even though he didn't appreciate it i i'm sure what i was doing was putting the um the notes in a phrase that made sense with the harmony that was going on does that make sense yeah i have to take myself off mute sometimes it's apparently an issue i have um i've been sitting here like jim is not not he's not told all about what's happened over the last like two minutes uh i put myself on mute and literally just coughed for like two minutes straight um apparently i may be having the coronavirus right now um, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm coughing so bad, like my, I got, I'm crying, like my face is like tears streaming down it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I kept trying to pass the conversation off, but I was like, "Okay, call and response." Nope. And he's like, he's looking, response, looking at me, and I'm like, I'm like, uh oh, uh-uh, don't do that. He's he's waving <clears throat> me off. I'm trying not don't to cough land. now. Don't land. <laughs> All right. Um. So. Catch me up on this. So we were, so you're talking about um, the call and response thing. And then like you would, you would assemble melodies um, kind of in right. your head and do those kinds of things. Um, that, that was the thing that stuck out <clears throat> most with what you were describing. Um, mm. So I would tend to agree that those things are um, important skills. I think they help build the critical listening pieces um, and how playing with other people, like, it's um, there's a lot of call and response as you as you were mentioning um <clears throat> but i think it's also important that people like understand that um not all of improvisation is done on the spot just making stuff up like right. you stack the deck if you can you talk to the person before you say you say i want to yeah. do this yeah and, and and talk through it like people have this i'm and i think it's like a it's a thing that's a reaction for movies. Now, musicians can definitely do this. Like somebody can say, I'll start. And then, you know, everybody just kind of follows along. Um, they can definitely do this, but understand that that is not the norm. Like most of the time, there's a little bit of a conversation that goes on beforehand or somebody has something sort of prepared. Yep. And and the, the likelihood of, you know, going into a situation for your first time to play with somebody else and just being like completely cold. It's not likely. Um, I, I think we talked about this on the show before, um, repertoire. And, uh, the first thing I can tell you is if you're going to play with other people, uh, build your, build, build a repertoire of things that most guitar players know. I mean, most guitar players are going to know how to play. Like, um, I'm trying to think of some of the tunes that, that we play sometimes when I run into people, uh, like, uh, crazy train or, um, you know, ain't talking about love by Van Halen or just any of the, like even some of the, the silly, like Led Zeppelin songs, like heartbreaker and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and then these songs are particularly easy to play um, that, that I'd mentioned, but I, I can tell you that a little bit of effort is going to go a long way. It just, even if you just understand the chords 
and you walk into the situation knowing you can play like a, like kind of an acoustic version of the song by playing just the op- you know the the regular chords for that song. It's hugely beneficial. I also recommend um, getting away from tab as quickly as you can and starting looking at chord sheets instead. Because getting the chord sheets, first off, it opens up your repertoire immensely. When you're sitting in a, in a you know, like let's say your buddy and you hang out, right? And he wants to play this song. And if it's not rib face music, like if it's if it's metal, you're pretty much going to have to know the riffs. If it's if it's like uh, popular music with chords, you can pull up chords on your phone, and you can sit there and you can put you put your phone down and just look at it and play along. Um, and then if you get through it, you know, two times, you memorize the chords, and you're just like, okay, I got this. Um, so that's the other thing is if you haven't learned your bar chords and you haven't learned how to move things around the neck yet, that's something you need to do because it's going to enable you to do that kind of stuff a lot more easily. Um, I think I am guilty of saying, I, I'm not guilty of saying this. I am guilty of this. Um, when I was younger, I would only play in like box positions, like the first position for, for scales and stuff. You can get by with it. Trust me, I did for years. Nobody said a word. Um, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you have to be comfortable with it. Um, so if you go into a like a, session, a situation where you're – and I've been with people like this, by the way. But if you go into a situation where you're not comfortable taking a solo, don't take a solo. You don't have to. Um, when they give you the nod, you nod back. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not that hard. Um and that's the other thing is like going into the situation where you're going to play with somebody else, know your space. Um, that is another critical thing. And you're going to learn this as you go through it. You're going to make mistakes. Don't feel bad about it. Um, just know that you're going to have to like pay attention to what other people do and look for the spaces where you can get in or wait for them to give you the nod so you can get in. Don't just start doing your thing and going over the top. Even if you're a great guitar player, nobody wants that because that's not good music. That's just you doing your thing and everybody else getting trampled on. Um, It's, it's as rude as jumping into a conversation and, and you're not, there's no space for you to have it. I've never done that to you, Jim. No, only every 15 (laughs) seconds. I've had a couple of listeners mention it, (laughs) but, um, it's kind of the, the running gag, is, just like I just did right it is. now. <clears throat> it is. Um, it, it, I, believe me, I, I don't mind. Um, <clears throat> but so uh, the thing that, that you just said is perfect. It's, it's, it's conversational. We've, we've, we've discussed that a long time ago. Um, but I always assume that people have listened to all the podcasts. So no, that's <sighs> probably not the case. And, it, and the thing is, if you're, if you're playing along, let's say you've, you've gotten out of the beginner stage. And I want to talk more about this beginner thing because I think a lot of, of um, channels pander to super inexpensive beginner folks. And just like the super inexpensive beginner stuff, um, that kind of thing gets uh, – is a, the word I want? There is a I, – I'm going to take over for you, Jim, because I think I know where you're going with this, and then you can shoot yeah. me if I'm not – if I'm not nope, nope. what you're trying Go to ahead. Yep. there is definitely a line of stuff out there that is aimed at like the the beginner who has his eye on something fancy but doesn't want to spend anything and right. doesn't deliver the goods 
And um, I actually had this conversation in the Kiesel group the other day. Now, Kiesel is not a cheap company, right? Like they don't make anything for under hundred or under a thousand dollars. In fact, I think they start at twelve hundred now. Um, <clears throat> if I have to clear my throat for the rest of this episode, I apologize. Um, they don't make anything under uh, like you know thousand or a thousand dollars at this point. Um, nobody is expecting you to go from your squire into a Kiesel. However, when I hear people say things, which I saw someone say this in the group over the weekend, why are Kiesels so expensive? They used to be cheaper compared to other guitar companies. I literally laughed because I said, if you look at the, if you look at the complimentary price point guitars and the quality of the complimentary price point guitars. Now, Jim can't, can't really tell. Well, you've probably seen some Kiesels at this point. Um, yeah. If you look at the quality at that price point compared to what you get in a Kiesel at that price point, there's no comparison. There's literally no comparison. Um, and it had just has to do with the fact, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and play games and say that it's because they cut out the middleman. Um, that may be part of it, but they, they have figured out a model for them that allows them to deliver a quality product at a, at a lesser price. Um, and certainly cutting out the middleman probably has an effect on that. I'm not saying that that's the be all end all of how they've done it. Um, but here's the reality, right? So <clears throat> you pay, you pay for brand names, uh, and, and beginners are typically, I would say beginners and people who are like, um, oh, I, I don't want to say like older, but like people who've been in music for a long time tend to gravitate towards the fancy names like Fender and Gibson and PRS. Um, and it's because I think there's just a, a quality reputation that goes along with that, but there's also professionalism side of it. And, but there's a big difference between your standard level fender and say something like an ultra or a custom shop fender. And I think the people that have been in it longer are more gravitating towards those really high end things rather than, you know, the same fender that you might be looking at. Um, and also understand that <clears throat> we said on the show before $500 is the minimum you're going to spend on an intermediate level guitar, something you can, you can gig out with, but that may not be a fender and that may not be uh, an, right. an Epiphone. I mean, that may be some other, like you might be looking at Schechter or somebody like that. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. just has to do with the fact that to get a quality instrument, sometimes you got to look beyond labels. Um, and the other component is I think like most people who are beginners, if you've got your $400 Squire or less and you're looking to upgrade – uh, you would be looking to spend probably in the neighborhood of seven or $800 because I don't think the difference in price between your $200 Squire and your $500 Squire or $500. I, I, well, Fender, I think starts at 500 now, somewhere in there. Um, and like, let's say you had a Squire and you were going to move up to the lower model Fender. I would really think you might be better. If you're serious about guitar, might be better on going up to something a little bit more, um, pricey like 700 to 750 or 800 dollars range because you're going to get a, a much better quality instrument for what you're paying and it's going to last you longer meaning you're not going to outgrow it as soon as you get it in fact you'll probably grow with the instrument um and you don't want to get into one of these situations where you're caging yourself in either now before i give the floor back to jim i think that there's um another piece of this i think that the super high-end stuff on the market is very specialized and if you don't know what you're doing with guitar yet, like you don't know what kind of genres you're interested in, you're best to leave that stuff alone. 
until you figure it out. Look for your instruments like a basic Telecaster, a basic Stratocaster, a basic Les Paul, because those those instruments cover a very wide range. You're not going to want to buy, you know, a single cut Les Paul style guitar with a Floyd Rose on it and 24 frets, uh, scalloped, you know, or some craziness like that if you're going to be playing blues. Now, if that's your jam, like more power to you, but I'm just saying it's not conducive to the kind of music you're making. And so you have to stop and you have to kind of like take stock of what it is you're after or what you're into. Um, But I think when you're talking about other channels, uh, I think I want to comment on that before I hand you the floor. So when Mm -hmm. we, we talk about the other beginner, like the more beginner focused channels, I think there's some definite, like more hobbyist focused channels. Um, mm-hmm. and I think they tend to focus on things like the super low end of the market, like, yes. uh, like your Harley Benton's. I mean, it doesn't get more no name than Harley Benton, right? Like who the hell is Harley yeah. Benton? Like, uh, hell is this all about? Um, and your like Dan Electros, which were never well regarded instruments. I mean, like there were people that used them, but they were always for like a very specific purpose. Um, yep. I would not say if you're looking for your one and only guitar, go out and buy a Dan Electro. No, absolutely not. Um, I can recall I was in a group of people um, who were, for for some reason or another at one point, buying a lot of Tiscos. Uh, if you don't know what Tisco is, Tisco is like a Japanese guitar company in the 60s and 70s who put out some really inexpensive stuff that for a lot of players in that generation was their first guitar. Um, but they were not quality instruments and they can be customized and repaired and had things done to them to make them very good. But you're looking at a lot of work. And if you're, if you're playing guitar instead of building them, I would highly recommend you stay away from that kind of thing. But the reason I brought this up in in this group, somebody had bought like four of them and they, and they, and they were, they had intended to flip them because they got them for like dirt cheap. And they could not sell them. Nobody wanted them. And they couldn't understand why. And it was because the group they were in was so focused on that low end side of the market. They had confused themselves into believing that they, that that was like the world at large was only interested in low end. And that's just not the case. Um, I can't tell you how many people I know that like, I'm like, Oh, you play guitar. And they're like, yeah, a little, and then they tell you, you ask us like, oh, what kind of guitar you have? And they're like, I got a Gibson Les Paul. You're like, what? You got a, th- you know, a $2,500 guitar and you play a little, you know, and I said that quotation marks. Like, yeah. You get the point. So, Jim, it's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what I was saying uh, there is that um, what has happened or what is happening is if you're intermediate, if you're jumping out of that beginner's thing, and I'm not saying you have to buy new gear, or you have to buy a better gear. What I'm saying is you've gotten past the $19 pedal um, with the exception of that one thing you want it to do. Like I've, I've wanted one of those Miko, Miko. Yeah. 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 The, the- just so I could do one thing with it, but not a night with it. You know, it would be like, okay, put it on, get it away, get it away. It's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a cut and a fart. It's funny for, you know, one aisle in Walmart, but it wouldn't be funny if you were doing it the whole time. Um, and it, it's, 
you know, that kind of thing that I'm talking about. So if, um, let's say, uh, that you're coming out of that, um, beginner thing, one of the things you're starting to feel, you're starting to know, um, somebody, somebody posted somebody that, that actually has some really decent gear in our group, um, posted his pedal board. And then somebody else who's also had some really decent gear said, wow, you got a lot of dirt pedals on there. And he said, I'm still trying to find that tone. And so in that case, it makes sense because he's got seven dirt, seven dirt pedals out of like 12 pedals. There's seven distortion overdrive type things. And you got to go, okay, either you're looking for something. And that's the thing. You might be looking for one specialized tone. Um, and you might be looking for, uh, a series of tones and you're like, all right, if I play with that tone all night, I'm going to get bored. So I need to switch it up. You know what I mean? It's kind of like say, listening to the same singer all night long. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think when, when you're moving into doing stuff differently, um, and going to intermediate, I don't mean that you have to buy the greatest gear. You have to run out and buy a milkman or, uh, what's that? What's that company that, uh, makes the high end amps that, that everybody wants in the PNW world. There's the a um, ton of different ones, but milkman, little Walter, like yeah, there's was... a bunch of different companies that are super popular in that, in that community only like Tyler amps, for example. Um, right. Where, and I always laugh because I hear about these companies and I go, who are they? Like, <laughs> right. Milkman, I know. I mean, but, but other companies, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, um, the, uh, I think it was, I was watching an interview with a tone or not tone King, um, uh, uh, Friedman, Ed Friedman. Is it Ed Friedman? He, um, he was talking about his first, um, amplifier. And the name of the amplifier, the company, before it became Friedman Amps. And he was saying that it was Marsha instead of Marshall. It was Marsha. <laughs> and he got a cease and desist. He had to change it. And he just said, all right, I'll use my name. And he went. <laughs> but it was just funny because he's like, you know, we were, you were talking about the, um, the guitars, the Howdy Bettons and stuff. All I'm saying is if you, if you get used to, there's nothing wrong. What, what was it that somebody said? There's no such thing as bad tone, just inappropriate for the moment. No, inappropriate. Tone. It's just inappropriate tone. And, and right. we, I still believe that. Uh, yeah. I just also feel that people thinking that you're going to get by with like the cheapest piece of trash on earth like it's not realistic either. I think you've got to find the right middle ground, and right. and I think it all depends on your role everybody. in the band too. And it there's a whole bunch of things, so you just have to find what's appropriate to your situation. And knowing what's appropriate to your situation it can be difficult. Right, and that that position that place is different for for everyone. There are some people that a five hundred dollar rig is all that they will ever be able to afford. And all they'll need. And, and I've met people that's and, all they'll need. And they're really that's right. like they make that work for them. And um, there's, right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, uh, one of our show listeners, um, I've seen him play here locally. And uh, he plays uh, 
very inexpensive telecasters i mean squire telecasters that are yeah. um i don't know that i i've, I've well i say this I'll, I'll i'll back this up too um he play he plays squire telecasters and when i was looking at tellies a couple months ago i played a number of the um performer series tellies and i didn't like any of them um but i picked up but i picked up a squire affinity and i was like hot damn that's better than those were um and i just remember thinking like they're all gonna need work but i'm like if i had to put work into one i think the squire would probably be the better option because number one it's cheaper and number two it right physically made more sense um right and played better and sounded but i mean it was better in every way it, it was it really was but i don't think he's necessarily preferring it just for that reason it's the idea that i don't really have to care about this thing as much if somebody steals yeah. it, who cares? Like, that's right. And that's a big component. Like, that's where it's appropriate, right? Um, yeah, we've talked about that. I don't think you're going to, if you had to play a gig in like whatever ghetto area of your community you have, and I say ghetto and I mean that in like the silliest way, but like, if you're going to play a really trashy gig, what do you take? You take the cheapest guitar you got. You take the, I'm taking that strat right there. The, the red, the red, like, like, the red made in Mexico, yeah, made in Mexico. right there. Yeah. That's the one that's going with me. Um, <laughs> and I will make it work. <laughs> right. And it, but, but I think we've all sort of done that. Like I picked guitars and this is, I mean, you guys are all going to laugh, but like, this is part of the reason why I like headless guitars is because I can throw them in a gig bag. They're tiny. I can keep that thing on my person the entire time I am in a, in a venue. I don't have to worry about somebody stealing my guitar. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what venue I go to. I mean, I can keep it on my back and I can literally go stand in the urinal <laughs> and do my thing. And it's, it's weird, but at least I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I would be lying I, if I said I haven't done this. <laughs> so, Oh, I have been where <laughs> I said, all right, has everybody else gone to the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. I'm going now. You guys stay right there with that guitar. I, you know, when uh, my primary bass was Rickenbacker, that was I was right there. I did not move from that Rickenbacker side. So when I knew I was playing a you know inner city um, place that that uh, the security might have been, eh, yeah, I definitely um, took the. I um, no, I had a. Uh, not even an Ibanez. I don't even think it was that high end. It was like, jeez, um, what was I playing? Oh, an ESP yeah, LT. That ELT, that EC one thousand, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that you've got to think about. Okay, what am I going to do here? Oh shoot, I'm not going to do that. No, I, I'm going to. No, not going to happen. And so I, I get it, and um, uh, I get that some people, you know, for some people, like. I'll say flippantly, and this it's really bad of me to do because I'll do this regardless of the company. I'll say, um, I'll be sitting there and, I, and somebody will say, oh, geez, NYXLs are so expensive. I'm like, what? It's like 12 bucks. And and they're like, yeah, it's $12. And and I I forget that the the twelve dollars can mean something to somebody. That means whether or not they get to eat ramen noodles tonight for dinner. Okay. I mean, no, seriously. No, no, no. I get it. But I'm but I'm kinda like I'm kinda taken aback by this because I know that in even the most impoverished parts of my family, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use my family as an example. 
um, and it's the greater reaches of uh, my clan. There are people that will tell you, I can't afford, I couldn't afford 12 bucks for strings, but we'll have $25 to buy a box of bullets to go, to go expire at a range. Yeah. And well, it's just priority. Like, okay. So if you're literally eating ramen, then you probably don't have a guitar period. I mean, yeah. Wow. And, and as far as the $12 thing goes, there are other strings you can buy. You don't have to buy the $12 set, but even nowadays, like even the cheap sets are like six, seven bucks. Um, so it's like, just don't change your strings as often. I, I don't know. I just don't see, like, I'm just not that guy that looks at something and says, that's too expensive. Like I can't buy a bag of picks kind of thing. Cause it's too expensive. Um, you can find that kind of money around, like laying around. <laughs> I mean, empty out your couch, uh, you know, it's there. Yeah, but there. Yeah, but we're we're okay. If you're if you're the the child of a of an alcoholic father or a drug addicted mother, no, that's a different situation. whatever. That's a that's a different situation. If you're not in control of your own income, either you're right. on a fixed income, um, yeah. or if you are you know a, a minor, that's a whole other set of set of deal. But again. Um, I see people do things like I can't, and I, I'll tell you, I this is this is the people that I'm going to say are guilty as charged on this, and these are the people I'm really targeting. Um, the people that have the thousand dollar, the fifteen hundred dollar pedal board, they go, "You're gonna, I'm gonna have to buy a twelve dollar pack of strings." Yeah, that that. Person what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, yeah. if you can't afford to, if you can't afford to, like, I. I, there's a guy I watched come in, pick up his guitar. He had a $3,000 Gibson that he was picking up, um, having it set okay. up, and he complained about the string price as he's walking out the door. And I'm going, Whoa, what? You know, $3,000 guitar, but you're mad about $12 for strings? Or 13 or 14 yeah. or whatever it is, you know. Um, I just, it's like... It's mind-boggling to me. It just doesn't make sense. You have a Cadillac, but you can't put gas in it. It's you know, you have a car where your rims are more expensive than your car. <laughs> well, those people are out there, um, but you don't know. I mean, that person. I'm not saying that they did or they didn't. I'm just saying that I'm not going to make the assumption that that person didn't get that guitar as a gift or that they, you know. Sure. I, sure. The only thing is, I know that that guy's had other guitars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was not a gift. <laughs> that was something yeah. that maybe a gift to himself. <laughs> yeah. Some people. And again, and, and, some people just like to complain to complain, Jim. <laughs> oh yeah, some people are just cheap. I mean, they can I can I get a break on these? Can I get a discount? I mean, I can't imagine if you went to if you went to to Walmart with that attitude. All right, I, I know these bananas are forty nine cents a pound, but can I get them for forty cents a pound? I mean, it's like, can you imagine like every single item? All right, this mayo is. I have seen this. Jar, but I, I really, really want this. Yeah, I have. I'm always stuck behind that of, person. I have that seen way. this kind of thing happen, where it's like, for real? You, you just stand there, you're going, you're gonna haggle like what? for a banana? No, haggle <laughs> yeah. at all. Like who haggles at Target? <laughs> like, I've seen. Yeah, this. that's what I mean. I've seen this. <laughs> that's what I mean. All right, come on, come on, man. It, 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 the, these have got a scuff. It's three on. cents. 
<laughs> it's like, just give me the three. It's fine. You know, like, yeah. no, they're not going to say anything. Just, just mark it down. What? It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny to watch. And, you know, some of these people are good at it. That's why I can't work retail because I'll sit there and I'll just be like, all right, all right, here's what we're going to do. You want three cents off? Guess what? Price just went up. Like, <laughs> yeah, you like the car dealers. Okay, we'll give you the car for $10,000 less, but we're going to give you $10,000 less for your car. <laughs> yeah. No, they just won't tell you what they're going to give you for the car. They're like, you're going to give yeah. me this for the other one. But at the end of it, you see your trade in is like 700 bucks. You're like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. That's another thing that's going on here right now. But anyway, so if you look at what I was trying to get at is is um, that I, I've been I've been trying to do this more and more um, is that you 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 play to play you um, so but don't don't get stuck in doing one thing. I think that that's another place where where people go, but. I think the hardest thing is when they're looking at their um, – okay, it really – this really got me. Guess who was on the cover of this month's Guitar World? Oh, that thing's still irrelevant? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Guess who made the cover? I don't care. Guess who got a cover? Jared Dines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could – That's when you know – that that guitar world has no idea what their freaking audience is because their audience is not YouTube watchers. No, it's YouTube watchers not, um, are not reading guitar world. No, they're not. not. And 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 truthfully, like I don't know who actually reads guitar world anymore because when I was a kid, it was always the metal guys. They used to have a column yeah. in the back where they would talk about all the really obscure metal bands. You know, the ones that have the logos you can't yep. possibly read. Um, yep. And, and, I always love that article. And, and yeah, that was the that was the one to read where they would like rip somebody apart. And I can remember in one of the issues they were talking about some band that covered like um, the immigrant song or something with an orchestra, and they were like, "This is just drivel." Like, yeah, uh, that, that yeah. stuck out in my mind because like it sounds like drivel. Like, why would you ever do that? Uh, and it, it, of course, they they mentioned that like three other bands had already done this, and they named they named names, and I'm sitting there going, "Wow," um, but. It, now you open up Guitar World and it's like I don't even know what I'd expect to find in there because they they seem to have lost complete touch with what's going on in the internet. I think Guitar Everything. World magazine is being made in print for people to read it online. In other words, they don't even care about the in print version of it. It has to be marketable on an, in an online format for the people who like my age apparently. I don't know. I don't know anybody that actually does this, but subscribes to their magazine online and then reads it in a, you know, digital format. Possibly. I don't know. I think YouTube is its own thing. I don't think any other press needs to cover YouTube like that. I, I honestly no. think that the people who are into YouTube already know about Jared Dines and whether he's on the cover or yeah. not makes a difference. Plus I'm also going to point out the fact that Jared Dines is really not a guitar player, folks. He's a freaking drummer. Like what the hell? We're going to put the yeah. freaking drummer on the cover of Guitar World. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next one, next month, it'll be Keith Moon. I would be fine with but Keith the, Moon. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, yeah, there's a guy with some real talent. But, the, you know, my point is <clears throat> that um, Jared Dines made a, made a living, has made a living out of creating um, – Oh, I am really going down a rabbit hole here, but what what the hell? I've already started. Yeah, Jim, um, Jim you got to finish what you started. He he made a 
he made a living at YouTube channel built on most of his big videos are about um, fu- supposedly funny things, but they'd be funny to like an eight year old. I mean, it's like they have no comedic timing. There's no they were funny, like because at the time no one else had done it. I think that no, that's maybe, why I, I don't know. That's why it was in the birth of memes. You start seeing him make these like commentary and joke videos about going into the guitar store and stuff. And it's like you sit there and you watch this. And you go, okay, I sort of get this. This is kind of funny. I'm glad somebody's making some guitar-related content, guitar-focused content. And then maybe you follow yeah. him. And then you see a couple yeah. other videos. And honestly, I don't think he has the consistency of viewers that people think he does. Because I tell you what, yeah. I went onto his Twitter page um, back when he smashed the uh, the 18 string or whatever it was. I went onto his yeah. Twitter page and I made some comments. And like everybody was like sending me likes and stuff over it. Because yeah. there were a lot of people that were following Jared Dines on Twitter who were like, I don't really care about Jared Dines. Yeah. I mean, I watch yeah. him to see what he's gonna do next, but Well, I think he's like I think he's like uh who was that guy, the um Freddie uh Tomato or not um not um, Angry Tomato, but Freddie he got he got a TV show on Nickelodeon after he had a popular uh um YouTube thing where he would just scream at the camera and like i said it was funny when you were five but by the time you get to be eight it starts to lose its luster by the time you're 10 you go what the hell is that guy doing and that's about the time he landed his his channel and it's like okay now he's got a tv channel and it's not funny it's just not funny because it doesn't it's not good outside of that 10 second yeah value um I think we can relate this back to our topic about intermediate guitar players. So as you're navigating the world of guitar, obviously you're into guitar already. Um, yeah. You probably formed some opinions about things. Um, I would caution you. Uh, I will give you a piece of advice. I, I would also caution you. Keep your ears open. Be, be totally unafraid to listen to music that people will, but we, that will think that will embarrass you because you'll learn something yeah. from it. Number one. Um, yep. But number two, keep your ears keep your ears open, but also understand the snake oil. So when Jim Jim right. and I talk about people like Jared Dines, um, I think what we're really trying to say is that hey, these people exist. I'm sure there will be people that enjoy what they do. They will have an audience, but just understand yep. that that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to tailor yourself after them. There is a very deep, dark, dangerous pit in the music world where people suddenly start thinking that there's a fast, easy way to success. And that's how you end up with people like the guitologist who literally just make YouTube content that is just, I mean, it's like 45 minutes. Um, It's literally, and and, literally garbage because it's about, because usually it's about (laughs) garbage. He salvaged out of the dumpster. dumpster Um, But the point is, would you, would you follow a chef? Who went into like a McDonald's dumpster? Look at these buns. They threw these buns out. What's wrong with these buns? We could do. Let's something go home with these and buns. toast them. Let's go home and make toast. Yeah, and then he puts toast. Then he puts some butter on it, some cinnamon. Oh man, these are the best. That yeah, but the butter and cinnamon was my, what make it good. The fact that you had to um, scrape off a little rat dew and some. <laughs> I'm just saying. I. I Yes. For all of these reasons, Jim is correct. Um, 
just I'm cautioning the intermediate amongst us to understand that there is definitely snake oil in the guitar world, and that doesn't it's not limited to YouTube. Uh, you will find people that sell lesson material that is absolutely yep. bogus. You will find people that advertise that they can teach you perfect pitch. You will find people. No. Yes. Doesn't exist. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. I know, but it, it, it cannot happen, folks. <laughs> um, you can learn relative pitch, but I highly doubt that you could learn perfect pitch. Um, no. Because they've actually linked it up with some some not developmental disorders, but some brain conditions that yep. uh, help people actually write quality music and stuff. Um, so and it's all other thing, but um, like the fat finger sustainer, and I'll probably catch hell for this because I'm sure there's somebody in the group that uses one. But yeah, <laughs> that stuff's mythological. It is mythological, and it is pathological for you to believe that that's going to help you in any way. Uh, yeah, let's get to the um, uh, the folks that do the the teaching method. So there's always this person. And I'm not saying that they're all bad. Certainly, there's some great instructors. There's Marty. What's his name? Marty Schwartz. There's uh, Ed Koch. There's so many. Or Greg Koch. Sorry, Ed Koch. Ed Koch was a was a mayor of New York a long time ago. Um, Greg Koch. There's so many great um, instructors out there. But there's also people who will sit down, they'll play a flurry of stuff that to a beginner sounds outstanding. It sounds great. And then they go, okay, let me show you how this is done. And they're really, there's, there's one of two things. They're still really good. They're just not good instructors or two. And more importantly, they're actually not that good. They just, it's relative to where you are. You think, oh, wow, this, this person has got to be good. They're, they're doing this, flurry of stuff and is it the direction you want to go um i i uh i take um uh, i'll i'll give a example there's this young lady who's a tapper right she all she does is tap yeah like, taps on her guitar that's not a direction that i would want to go personally i'm not saying it's bad i'm certainly not saying that that's bad music or that it's it takes less um or more talent to do than, you know, using a pick or using your fingers or whatever. I'm just saying that if you've got to remember that when you're focusing, um, you've got to do that. And and that, that leads to the next thing. And that is that you've got to set a time amount of time. You're going to play every day. You got to get that time down. Um, and the only time you don't want to do it is if you're either pain, in pain or it's because you're, you know, you're doing something that keeps you away from it uh, work-wise. But you want to, just like the gym, you've got to set yourself up that 45 minutes, an hour of actual practice and make it real practice. Not just, I'm going to play the same crap I've been playing for 20 years because I'm good at it. That's not the practice part. If you do that, that don't count that as part of your practice. That's just you doing stuff. That's like saying, yeah, I went for a run today. You did? Yeah, I walked um, around the corner and I caught the um, ice cream guy and uh, I bought an ice cream and I walked back eating it. That it was not going for a run. That <laughs> Which is what I do. Can we, can we, can we, take for, can we stop for a second? So in, in the age of COVID-19, of course, they sh- shut down in most states. They've shut down essential service, non-essential services, yeah. right? Um, yeah. 
the other day I was in my backyard because it was really nice out and I thought I'd stand out in the common area and like get some sun for a minute. And um, I heard the ice cream truck coming <laughs> and I went, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me that the ice cream truck is coming during COVID-19? That is an essential service. What? I keep $2 in cash in my pocket. Can anyone say that is like the biggest loophole on planet Earth? Like, oh, all food services are essential. If it's delivery, it's okay. Like, <laughs> Hey, it's delivery. Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. I guess the cold kills the coronavirus, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard the opposite. Yeah, I don't think anybody but, knows at this yeah. point. <laughs> I, no, you heard the opposite. Else, yeah. Did you read the news today? I mean, it's like yeah, it exactly. depends on what they're calling. Have you listened to the news in the last ten minutes? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's it's like oh, uh, all right. Gee, I haven't I haven't been on the news just, in fifteen just minutes. to give our listeners some context. I heard the news say, and everybody's probably heard this one, right? That coronavirus has a 14-day incubation period where you may not have any symptoms before you actually get sick. Then I heard the other day that they're saying it now has a four-day incubation period because they believe yep. that the 14-day was really just uh, exasperated by the fact that people were being doubly exposed and then getting it on second exposure. Right. So what does this tell you? They don't have a clue. And no, they don't they're know what still the just days are. On the news, it's like, just shut up. You don't know anything. If you don't know something, don't lie to us. <laughs> right. Just say, we don't know. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. It's not just uh, Facebook and, and people sharing stupid memes. Um, somebody said, Corona's going out of business. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, is uh, it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had no problem picking up limes or Corona, but... Anyway, uh, shit. Yeah, it's just um, coming back towards like, like I said, when you sit down to say, okay, I'm going to learn something. Say, all right, I'm going to learn this. Like, let's say uh, you want to learn the, um, I don't know, the outro solo to comfortably numb something. I don't care. And uh, you go, okay, I'm going to sit down to learn it. Don't think you're going to get the whole thing in a day. If you're a beginner to intermediate, or even if you're, you know, um, somewhat intermediate, uh, you've got to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And then where do you want to go with that? Do you want to learn it note for note? Do you want to be able to play it um, your way? Do you want to learn it for note for note and then learn how to take I'm it? not sure people are really prepared to even understand that at that level. Like – because I've been in situations where they want you to do something note for note and you kind of go, okay, and then the band falls apart because they don't know how to handle it. Like they don't realize that they don't know the part that goes along with it. So I think I think as an intermediate player, my, my advice – and I know I've interrupted you, Jim, so I'm going to let you get back here in just a second. Uh, my <laughs> advice is that you should – Analyze the song and understand the song before you actually like try to do something like that where you learn something over and over because you might be the guy that has to explain to everybody else what happens while you're doing your thing. Make sense? <laughs> yep. Now, of course, it, it helps to have a backing track. That's that's a biggie. Um, but I think one of the things that that's starting to fall apart with these backing tracks that are being given out, let's say um, – 
that you go online and and there's nothing wrong with them by they're the way. super don't, static folks, don't that's what the problem is right that's what i'm gonna say <laughs> so in minutes of the same loop <laughs> right and take my word for it there is no point in your life unless you're in a jam band where 11 minutes of the same loop makes any friggin' sense it doesn't even make sense in the jam band context no i've never seen a band where they're like okay you play that same backing groove for 11 minutes and i'll just do my thing no that's not how that works (laughs) (laughs) and so that's why the 11 minute the reason you're given 11 minutes is so you can screw it up it's it's fine it's exploratory and that's a yeah i think that that's the other i correct me if i'm wrong but I, I could be wrong but i think that's the other side of some people's um reason that they they don't jam it's because they're afraid to make a mistake sure yes positive uh they're afraid to make a mistake and then it may not be a musical mistake that may even be um a social mistake i mean if you can imagine what it felt like the first time you got on stage jim and that feeling like every time you introduce yourself to a new set of players and get up there and play with them, that's kind of the, like, and I think it's actually more deadly for the player at that point, because now it's like, I have to impress the other musicians I'm with. Um, and I, I really want to caution people like that shouldn't be the impression you have when you do this is not, I'm trying to impress these people. I just want to make cool music. That's what you need to yeah. approach this with. Right. Um, instead of I want to make music that like sounds ridiculous and everybody's going to have their jaw on the floor. What are you thinking? Because the only way you're going to do that is by making cool music, not by, you know, impressing them with your Eddie Van Halen esque tapping skills or, you know. Um, yeah. And another thing, if you're an intermediate musician, no matter who you think is a great guitar player, I guarantee you, you do not know the people who are really good because you will run into them later. <laughs> Those are the ones that no one talks about. Okay. They're like, yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah he was really good, but man, like nobody, nobody I, I was listening music. to, uh, <laughs> you, you, you shared bridge of size last yeah. week and I sat and listened to it the other day and I was like, Oh, I forgot how moving this music really is. That was a, that's an incredible album folks. Robin yeah, Trower, dude. Size. I've been telling you. You're like, I'm not a big Charles I'm like, you need to go back and listen to that record. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that is an awesome, awesome album. I used to have that album, so I, I was like, all right, let me listen. Really, really good, folks. If you, if you want some music, the, the thing about Robin Trower is a great guitar player who can sing. No, so it's like he's not the singer. Oh, who's the singer? <laughs> that was uh, James De- DeWar, I think. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. And he's gone. He, I'm he just saying, there's vocals away. in yeah. there. Yeah, he whoever it was passed away. He that. he was a hell of a singer. Um, but yeah, um, Pat Travers was um, was really good too. Dwar. Um, yeah, Dwar. Um Anyway, so what I'm saying, what I was trying to say is that uh, with that is, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to sit down and make mistakes and record your mistakes. Sit back and listen to it. Um, Again, it goes to that active thing. If you can sit down with your guitar, whether you're watching a video, you could be watching a video that has nothing to do with music. But, you know, I a lot of people will say there's no use of playing scales. No use of playing scales. Don't worry about scales. I I take a little bit of a of a back with that in that 
I think there's it's there is a time and a place for scales in that let's say you want to say okay what are the notes that i can play here so you might want to take one octave of a scale play it then find another place play it then find another place play it that way you can say okay now here's three places i can play during this jam instead of going oh shit i'm stuck in one sorry about the s word people i'm stuck in one spot and i can't play outside of the spot i think that's vital I think scales and that kind of stuff, that kind of knowledge, if you're not into theory and you're intermediate, um, you should explore it. Uh, I think that kind of knowledge is actually more useful for communicating an idea to someone else. Um, uh-huh. I think at some point in your playing, like when you hit a certain amount of hours, that stuff stops mattering as much. I know that yeah, in the last no. couple of jams I've gone to, I didn't even know what key we were playing. In. Like I wasn't yeah. even paying attention. Um, <laughs> Somebody would say we're doing this, and I would just feel around until I get a right note, and then I would find the next interval, and I'd be like, "All right, away we go." Because all you really need—if yep. anybody tells you you need more than two intervals, they're lying. Um, you really only need two. Um, once once you've got two, and it doesn't matter what two, then you could just start like inferring other things, and that's when it gets interesting. Um, I find yeah. myself just doing it intuitively, and it's just because I've done it so damn much that it—it's it, just a thing that happens now. Um, but when you start, yes, absolutely. When you're, when you're at like, just coming out of your bedroom, I want to say like emerging from the coffin or something like that, like make it like a vampire yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. you need to, uh, you need to have a little bit of knowledge of what's going on in the, in the rest of the community in terms of like how people are structuring their music and stuff. And knowing scales is going to be a big part of that. Knowing at least your major and minor, um, yep. know your, ma- know your triads. So you need your major minor chords. Um, you might yep. want to know your dominant set, you know, dominant seven, minor seven, like your basic sevens. You're definitely going to want to know um, some of your otter triads too, because you will run into them like augmented and diminished. Um, but yep. I wouldn't, you don't need to know like thir- dominant 13s uh, and that kind of craziness. I mean, there's obviously some stuff that's common, common vocabulary, like, you know, the Hendrix chord and um, that kind of stuff. But, you're not going to need the breadth of knowledge that I think a lot of people holds people, a lot of people back from doing these kinds of things where it's like, I don't know the diminished whole tone scale, like the half to half yeah. diminished scale or whatever they call it. Um, yeah. I think it can be, I think it can be um, like trying to drink uh, the, as they say, water from a two inch hose. People you know like I mean? to put up barriers so they don't have to do things. Um, and yeah. you got to stop putting up barriers. If you want to be a successful right. guitar player, you need to do the opposite. You need to take down barriers. And that right. means, and that doesn't mean eliminate the barrier. That means stop putting them up. That means to right. figure out, Hey, I don't want to go out to an open jam because I'm afraid of the way that people look at me on stage. I'll tell you the first way to fix that. Get the ugliest guitar on earth. And then go out on yes. stage because no one will care what you look like. <laughs> they're all going to look That's at right. that ugly they're, guitar. They're all going to look at that ugly yeah. ass guitar or find a ridiculous hat. Oh, yes. Or, um, I, just find another way around the problem. Um, and right. so I had a, I had a conversation with Mike Mara. We're going we're gonna to pick on him again um, because in the Facebook group, we were talking about technique. Somebody asked, how can I play faster? And Mike and I had this little like sidebar conversation about it. And it was really good because I think um, he and I, so like we don't see everything the same way, 
But I think we have enough common ground that when we have a conversation, it's like, yeah, I kind of get it now. Like both sides of it's like, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. Um, so, but but he brought up. He said, well, you know, you can play fast without having to pick everything. And like, it, it, my head exploded. I was like, because I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I just spent like the last three years picking everything, right? And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like stepping back and I'm like, yeah, when I was younger, I used to do all this stuff and people were still just as impressed back then. And it was all legato or it really wasn't legato, but I had gotten my, I had gotten my hammer on and pull-offs so like good that you couldn't tell I wasn't picking it. Um, and I think there's definitely merit to that. Forge your own path, figure it out and find creative solutions to problems that you have. If you can't, and, and this applies to guitar players of all skill levels. Many, many players I have run into over the years have told me things like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But yeah. then they tell me they can't do something else. I'm like, why don't you just do it that way? And they're like, yeah, but that's not the way they did it. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd be a lot more impressed if I saw somebody play Eruption and instead of the tapping part, they did it with sweet picking. I would be a lot more yeah. impressed, and I know oh, there are people yeah. that can do it. Um, and and I've played with it myself. Well, but you can do that stuff. Like think outside the box. You don't have to be just like everybody else. Yeah, before people knew that he was tapping, there were people trying to sweet pick it. So um, let's face it that that kind of thing happens. Actually, there's some lines in that in that eruption guitar solo that I'm more interested in way more than the tapping part. I think the tapping part was yeah. the big whoa moment because everybody's like, how did he do that? Uh, but there are other lines in that little like exercise thing that he was doing that are actually way, way cooler um, than the than the tapping part and actually easier to play. So um, yeah. there's a part where he does a, he does like a unison bend, but he does it and it's like um, – I'm trying to think what interval it is, but it's not like your typical you know, uh, third – you know, to a, to a unison, um, lower third to a unison, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like a Chuck Berry thing, right? He does it like from yeah. a step lower or something. And you're like, huh? Like, how did he even do that? You know, and then you, you hear it on the record you go, Oh, you know, that's more interesting than the tapping part for me. But, um, your cat is so fascinated by what you're saying. That's my cat is trying to get me to feed it right now. <laughs> He's like, he's sitting he's, here and goes, it's nine o'clock, I need to eat. It is COVID-19 time, I need to eat now. And I would not be surprised if I say now if he doesn't meow at me, because he usually does. Yeah. He's a beautiful yeah, cat. Yeah, Merlin's something else. Um, yeah, I, uh, my favorite album, or my favorite song on the album, that first Van Halen album, and folks, if you haven't listened to that album in a while, sit down and listen to it. What a, what a raw pile of energy that that album from front to back is and my favorite my very favorite song on there is atomic punk you know what's really bad it's like so like <laughs> well besides atomic punk that's like my least favorite song of the album um i love this song. My, it's, it's just terrible in a in a good way i mean i love the pop sensibility in all of van halen music but but like i actually like david lee roth more than i actually like van halen which is awful because yeah. that means Van Halen is completely over for me because um, David Lee Roth has never been good like that. You know what I mean? Like he was good when he was soloed by himself um, and probably the period right up to that. But since that happened, like he's terrible. He can't he can't oh, sing yeah. anymore. Like 
Um, no, nope. he can't even. He's so worried about the acrobatics, and it's like, dude, we know you're older. Like, you can't do that stuff anymore. People would rather hear the song right. Um, right. And I know I'm not the only one saying that because I've read many people saying that. Uh, um, but the um, the problem I have with with uh, the Van Halen stuff is like, you want to encourage people to do their own thing, but I think the hero worship that goes along with, and I'm gonna say it both Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix and I mean, a lot of the other guitar heroes that are out there, right. Ingve Malmsteen and people like that. Um, the hero worship that goes along with those people often becomes like a cult of how you should do it. And I right. would ri- highly recommend you take what those guys do. You absorb it by active listening, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the show. And then you just don't learn to play it the way that they played it. Learn to play it your own way and right. take what's cool about that music and enhance it. Um, there was a thing right. I, I remember I watched, um, there's a, a famous uh, interview with, with Steve Ray Vaughan and he says, well, I, you know, he's like, I was really into the American blues guys. And he's like, I would play stuff like this. And he played an example. And he said, and then I heard Eric Clapton. And he's like, and then I started playing stuff like this. And then he played, you know, some crossroads or something like that. And then he's like, he's like, this is how Eric played it. He, or he was showing how uh, somebody in the, in the U.S. played it, and then he's like, this is how Eric played it. And then he played it, like, totally differently. And I laughed because I've seen Eric play it, and he didn't play it that way. It, it was yeah. like, <laughs> it was like, no, that's not how he played it. That's how you thought he played it. And you did it in such a yeah. way that you enhanced how you thought Eric right. sounded when he did it. But that's yeah. progress, right? right? And this is about making things possible, not making things not possible, breaking down barriers. So – recontextualize what you do jim you've been learning a lot of new stuff lately and i think that that's good but i think it's also important to reimagine what you learn and it's this whole idea of like how can i apply this to things where this wouldn't be expected this is not the normal anticipated method of things when you told me you were taking lessons from a uh from a country telecaster player i said that's perfect because that, yeah. that you often hear rock licks in country music now. Seldom do you hear country licks in rock music now. And it used to be the other way. Like you'd hear you know, Leonard Skinner was using country licks in their music, and so was um, yep. So was uh, Almond Brothers and people and like Marshall. that, and pretty much any of the Southern rock yeah. scene. Um, but you didn't hear it go the other way. Now it's going the other way, right. but you don't hear it. You know the rock guys doing the country thing. So it would be interesting yep. to like see how that pans out now because country music's come yeah. a long way too. I mean, if you've watched yeah. any, I watched, um, I watched a country music performance. I forget who it was, but it was in like, it was on like Austin city limits or something. And it was in the, it was in the late eighties. And it was funny cause the guy was playing like an Ibanez or something. And it was, I mean, it was somebody yeah. big. It was like, it was like, um, uh, Johnny cash or somebody. And I'm like, I'm sitting yeah. there going, you got a Jackson dude. Like what? Huh? And then, you know, he's played all these like country licks and they're so different than what you'd hear somebody like Brad Paisley playing today. Um, oh, yeah. That it was just like, huh? And now, you know, it's like those licks are starting to come, I think starting to come kind of full circle. I do hear people doing like dominant seventh chords and bending the whole chord and stuff. And it's like, well, that's a country thing. Like that didn't come from yeah. anywhere else. I think we're, we're seeing uh, a resurgence of rock and roll 
I think the punch of rock and roll needs needs to come back. And I think that that what is going on in the world right now is definitely something that that needs emotion um, expressed. I mean, I, I already said what I think of that Imagine cover that came out. I would rather it's pure than, trash. Um, <laughs> Drink vomit <laughs> from a stranger. I, you know, I, they have those bracelets, the what would Jesus do bracelet, right? I want a what would FZ do bracelet. And that's yeah. the what would Frank Zappa do bracelet. Because yeah. I honestly believe that if Frank were alive and he saw what went down with that, he would not have been able to have kept his mouth shut. He would have just been like, are you freaking kidding me? Do you even yeah. know? Because he was an atheist, first off. So he would just be laughing because right, right. he would it, it, like he wouldn't be angry, but he would be sitting there like, "You guys do know that's a song about atheism and stuff, right? Like in communism and all that, right. and that really has nothing to do about a disease, like, yeah, exactly. It's got nothing to do with the hope that you think it's got something to do with. Um, the the thing that um, uh, kind of lets me down. I think Frank Zappa would have his mouth open." consistent oh yeah like he would be on television yeah. he would be on, he, he would might be, be in the white house be like <laughs> yeah god knows um actually yeah that, that's I mean, not out of i mean look look who he ended up with i mean it's <laughs> it's certainly a possibility yeah. at this point i mean if he was still alive yeah so if you look at if you look at that side of things okay let's let's uh take it that's the thing that lets me down about dweezil dweezil spends all kinds of time learning how to play exactly like his father but he hasn't learned to do anything like his father in that realm. I don't know, dude. It, have you heard? Does that make sense? Have you heard any of Dweezil's records? Like his own records? I've, yeah, but I haven't heard him like be political. Frank was political. Uh, Dweezil, Dweezil's, uh, he doesn't. So I don't think Dweezil wants to engage in it because I don't think, I think he has a family and stuff and he wants to protect his family more than his dad did. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, Frank didn't I protect his family that, at all. Well, I'm not saying that so much in this. We live in a very different world than Frank did. I mean, we live in a world yeah. where people like have tried to attack celebrities, like and fallen through skylights yeah. and impaled themselves on knives, and then gone to court and sued the person they fell on, you know, like and won. Yeah, that's what happened with George Harrison. <laughs> Guy yeah. fell through yeah. the skylight trying to break in. Fell on the knife and then sued George Harrison and won. That's no. a terrible place to keep your knives near the skylights. Just don't do it. <laughs> you never know when somebody's going to jump. Yeah. Them. I mean, you should have I mean, known. I, I, I read this headline and I went, huh? <laughs> I wonder if that got overturned. It had to have. I, it had to have. It had, no, it, I don't know. I mean, it's California court. <laughs> It caused cancer, Jim. <laughs> Coronavirus may cause cancer in California. I mean, it's illegal to bring across the state. Oh, no, I'm sure it is in California. You oh know they. You, all right, all right. Let me just. Let me just. This is. We're making fun of California for a moment, so I have to say this: you cannot yeah. buy. Lead ammunition in California because it may cause cancer. Stop and think about this for a minute. Something that is intended yeah. to kill something else yeah. or be shot into a target and therefore yeah. wasted cannot right. be made out of lead. 
because it may cause cancer if you chew on it. Well, yeah. I mean, if you chew or on a bullet, it. if you or chew on it. a bullet, I think you might have some other issues than you know getting cancer. I'm just saying, yeah. cancer might be can't be cancer might be down here <laughs> under the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, we gotta we gotta wonder. It, it's like it, well, on guitars now. There's on guitars. It's like oh, this might cause cancer. Oh, good lord! Was I, it I'm, was it a California rule where they said you couldn't sell? Made in America stuff that had parts from foreign countries. Was that was that because oh, I, I think it was a California first rule, where they where they, like Martin and all these other companies had to put like like assembled in the USA on their guitars or a sticker over the made in USA label or whatever because uh, <laughs> because they were outsourcing parts you know that don't get made here in the yeah. states anywhere <laughs> you know like. Good, good. And that's a yeah, that's a problem. Whoops, that's a real problem we've got um, is our supply line. I mean, let's face it. But um, you know, we we've we've been vocal about the chips and thing, and right before this Corona stuff came down, I had mentioned that there was a um, see it's dinner time. There was a thing that I. Yeah, it's I can hear him. Um, there was this thing where um, Chinese government, you know, has been, which I was aware of, but um, the Chinese government has been, what they do is they subsidize companies to lower prices to get them into the markets in the United States. That way they can raise them later. Um, so the thing that that we're not seeing is they're doing it, they're investing in themselves, okay? Which which is a smart thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is stupid or whatever. It's a smart thing. They're investing themselves. So the everybody's like, well, how can they do this? They're how can they make it so much cheaper? They can't. They're not. They're they're um actually getting subsidized to bring these markets or, or get this down. So the reason was so that they could be America's supply line. Well, actually the world supply line, if you look at it. And so now the reason you can't get a mask, the reason you can't, even, you can't even get parts. Have you noticed? I, I went to buy a friend, the little rubber band things that you use to cut, to hold your hair. Yeah. Back. A ponytail holder. I went to buy them for a friend. Yeah. Ponytail, little goodie. I'm going to need one soon enough. Um, yeah. I, well, I'm gonna grow. That's why I'm working on anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, but you not you'll you'll cut your. No, head. I'm um, I'm letting it go, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going. I'm gonna see how long we can get it. Yep. Anyway, um, my point is uh, when I when I talk about that is I went to buy some and you can't get them. I had to. I went through like. 15 different places until I could finally find a set of goodies I could buy. And the monitor I bought today, when I bought that monitor, my son said, dad, you must've got the last one. Cause I said, well, maybe I'll get a second one. He goes, you must've got the last one. Cause now they're on, a, they're not on the website. So it's, um, it's becoming, um, and like I was talking about, I ordered paper, ream, um, five reams of paper. And then we kind of got off topic. Those five reams of paper won't deliver until the end of the month. Somebody said, why do you think that is? I said, because 
they're busy making other paper. I have been running. At the paper I have been mills. running into. Well, I've also been it. running to like if you order something off Amazon, they'll say it delivered in the month. It shows up like two days later. They're they yeah. are prioritizing the things, and so and so as part of that, they're setting the expectation very low that you're going to get your stuff on time. That's basically what they're doing. Um, I got I've got some things I got to order, um, but I I had something that was like that last week where I ordered it and it was like wasn't going to show. Oh, it's guitar tools. I bought. Actually, this is relevant to the show. I bought um, a string gauge so that I can I can uh, measure my action better. I bought um, yep. I bought a set of radius gauges, and I bought yep. um, the multi tool the the one that uh, I think it's I think it's Dunlop makes it. Um, and I just wanted to have you know those around so I I wasn't digging through tools all the time to look for stuff, and. Uh, <clears throat> They showed up and they were like, they were like, oh, the end of the month, and they showed up like two days later. And uh, oh yeah, no, I I ordered this paper last week and it yeah, still has a shit. Yeah. You don't need paper. That's that's a myth. Yeah, I don't. I I grabbed a ream at Walmart and I was like, well, I guess it doesn't matter now. Yeah, <laughs> but I had I didn't own a printer. I had to go buy a printer, which is just okay. Crazy. All right, all right. So I hate. And this this isn't just apply to guitar products. I want to I want to talk about a couple of things I've been looking at online too. Um, so I ordered a chair. Uh, I ordered one of those silly gaming chairs from uh, from Secret Lab, right? Because a lot of people are using them. They're supposed to be a very good chair. Um, and they they were doing pre orders. All of the orders they had for the leather ones you could get like right away. But I can't buy leather. I got cats. So I went and I bought the other style and I I was trying to get into cuz they did three orders of pre-order waves, right? So I won't I spent like $400 on a chair I won't have until like at least the 13th of May. <laughs> I mean, it's like how much more of a punch in the Yep, I a punch it and they a punch and in they, the sack. I was gonna say that, but uh, it, it, yep, it rhymes good. with stick. Um, yeah. a punch in this stomach, a punch in the stick. Yes, <laughs> a punch in my stomach. Can you get then to have like $400 ripped away from you and being told that, like, oh yeah, I didn't gonna arrive until now? Full disclosure, I knew this when I ordered it, but um, but he's just like, I'm still sitting in this crappy chair and it hurts. Like, I need a new chair. Come on, give me a chair. I want a chair now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, yeah. I want it, Daddy, and I want it now. I don't even feel like Veruca Salt, man. I want man. Baluba, I want it now. <laughs> I don't, that Veruca, right? That, that was her name? I don't, Veruca yeah, Salt. I don't, yeah, Veruca Salt. The punk band. I know, I don't really even her. feel like Veruca Salt. You know, I can't tell you a single Veruca Salt song. I, I do, do that album Veruca is really Salt. good. They had what that first yeah. album. I don't know if they did any more after that. I remember liked yeah, I remember I liked the first one. I just don't They can't had remember. some really, really heavy production spent on that album. Somebody and they I think they're from Chicago. Um they mm. they spent a lot of money recording that record, and I do not think they got re- money for the next record, <laughs> which is probably part of the reason why. Um all right, all right. <laughs> if you're an intermediate guitar player and you're listening to this episode or this episode. Yep, Chicago um, in the nineties. Immerse yourself in the world of music-oriented uh, comedy and stuff. Go get yourself the the Cartoon Network app. 
on your mobile device or on your Apple TV or whatever device you stream on and and watch Metalocalypse because it is one of the funniest shows about rock and roll and metal you can possibly watch. And from now, now what's funny is about Metalocalypse, whatever it is called, Metalocalypse is it's one guy who Brendan Small name? wrote John. a lot of it, but they, he had Smalls. other writers helping yeah. him, and there were also a lot of other voices, well, I mean, including Mark Hamill. I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the. Oh yeah, that does all the guitar work. Yeah, um, he did all yeah. the guitar work on it, and the guitar work, like they made, they did a lot of effort to make sure that the the animated characters' fingers match, like Brendan yeah. Small's guitar playing when they were doing the <laughs> album. Um, I've heard of people that have actually learned to play some of the music by actually watching Squizgar Squigelf, the character, and like doing yeah. what he does. Um, but what was funny is they said, "Okay, now we want Metalopolis to to go on set on, on tour," uh, and he, he's like, tour. "How do, and we, he how was do like, we do that?" You know, like I don't know how. <laughs> well, they they did it guerrilla style. In fact, uh, he hooked up with the guys from Guerrillas yeah. to talk about how to do it, and they basically took segments yep. from the show and they made little animated segments but the big but the biggest yep. problem jim was none of the music was a full fleshed out song they had to actually write oh. the songs using the little ditties yeah, that they, they had, write- had in the episodes yeah. <laughs> and come up with this whole like concept um and actually yep. i think it actually helped the show because by the time they got to season two they realized we got to make good music before we actually like do the the episodes because we need to have full fleshed out songs and you'll see that the songs are a lot longer in season two when you see them in the episode they'll last for two or three minutes instead of just you know yeah. 15 seconds yeah like 30 seconds yeah. or yeah and, and it's funny because um uh like you were saying they had to do all that and and uh i think mike Keneally had something to do with the with the tour as well but anyway um uh they were um brennan smalls was on what was that amps and access yeah. uh podcast he was talking about it and he was saying that uh, he didn't really think about it, um, but when you think about if, if you're a, a fan, most of the fans of that show were thirty something, twenty something yeah. metal guys. They loved the I show, was a and they loved it. They were like, show. "That's a." <laughs> I was so excited when my wife told me they brought it back for quarantine. I'm like, I'm like, I know what I'm doing, um, and I'm yes. almost, I'm almost, done. <laughs> I I'm was almost doing. done. Like, um, we. Watch it the second. I, yeah, I, I'm thinking like I just at least want to watch the first season again. Like I own, I have it all. I own it all. Um, which I don't, I can't say that about a lot of stuff anymore. Um, yeah. but the, the nice thing about Metalocalypse is it's is it's like as you get into later seasons, it gets a little dirtier. But the first yeah. couple of episodes, like the first season or two, are not really like all that overtly sexual. Um, no, but it's like it really pokes a lot of fun at metal and, and rock, yeah. but it does it in such a way that like, it almost makes it cooler. Um, yeah. So it's just like, you, you have to watch it. You have to understand it. Um, it's definitely, you know, they, they talk about like, so the idea between behind the band and the show death clock is that they are basically like each of the major archetypes of heavy metal. So you have a yeah, Swedish yeah. death metal guitar player. You have a Norwegian black metal guitar player. You have a uh, American death metal singer. You have a, uh, a a drummer who is basically Axl Rose, um, yeah. <laughs> which which is unbelievable to me. 
and uh it's so and funny, um you also have uh the bass player who is basically like the southern hillbilly like that's what he's supposed to represent is people like rex rex brown from from pantera um and guys like that which i don't think rex is necessarily like as bad as murderface but there are guys in that culture that he's supposed to represent um and so the funny part about it is they they were missing one and they realized it they didn't represent glam metal so they created this other character named uh, dr roxo the rock and roll oh, clown yeah. who stands in for van halen and david lee roth and I've been debating, and I, part of the reason why I wanted to bring it up on the show in the last like thirty minutes or whatever, it's like I've been debating what is the what is the comedic like <laughs> symbolic reason that you would make David Lee Roth slash Eddie Van Halen a because because he represents both right um, a clown like what there's yeah. there's definitely some significance there. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Like I can't really put my finger on the whole thing. But but also you have to understand that of course David Lee Roth was Jewish, and the Jewish community had a yep. thing against clowns. Apparently, I've, yep. I've been told this by my Jewish friends. Um, I don't understand the whole like anti-clown thing, but that's part of the reason why they did it on The Simpsons was like the whole Krusty the Clown being a Jewish thing is like a whole yep. um, taboo subject or whatever. And then like entertainment in general yep. in that culture is kind of like on the fringe, um, and so having this guy who is his name is Leonard Rockstein for real. And he's a clown, yeah. but he stands in for <laughs> David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. And his catchphrase is basically, I do cocaine. Like yeah. <laughs> I, he literally like will come up to the camera and just like, I do cocaine. And you're like, what? I, I don't even know what this is. Um, <laughs> it's again, purely comedic don't watch it thinking you're going to somehow feel educated or understand metal right. by watching it it's not like it's not even like south park there isn't like some underlying political meaning oh no i it. think there is but i think it's i think it's more or less like um this is how like the metal mindset is like that the, the this is what they think is cool. And, and when you watch it, everything's done in such an extreme fashion. It's like, no, we really wouldn't. Even the metal guys don't want it to be this way. Right. But it kind of is. But it kind of is. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, well, the bands yeah. want it to be this way maybe. Or like their imagery is this way. But nobody actually wants it to be this way. I mean. I see it. I see it as a as a um, a TV show that actually was able to take um, the – kind of not exactly the characters of uh spinal tap turn them into something that could be you know, taken further i have been told by people that spinal tap is the preeminent like movie about rock and roll culture from the band's perspective um yeah comedy you know film like I, I disagree yeah. completely. I think I think Metalocalypse has a much better parody. Oh and yeah, I but it's just because it's animated, like they get away with so much more. That's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. There's you no know, way they could have like their recording media, and I and this is what I love is there's some totally music centric jokes on it where they're like, no, this this song sounds terrible. We need to right. we need it to be recorded analog, and then yeah. they ha they go down to the lab where they got these two scientists. Yeah, and they have this whole thing where they've like they've come up with a way to record on water, and they've got tubes of water 
and they've got tubes of water with the music recorded on the tubes of water and it's analog. But the thing is it requires nuclear reactors, like five or six nuclear reactors and a brownout of the entire country yeah, in order to record like yeah. one track. And, and then, and then they, what happens at the end of the episode is one of them gets so drunk and they all get so drunk that they're like, ha- they're hung over and they start drinking the tracks. The tracks yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I legit cannot make this stuff up. It's funny, like, because that's a musician joke. Oh, it's so it's not analog enough. Like, it's got a tube in it. We need to know it's got to be more analog than that. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, They just they take that stupid stuff and they take it to an extreme. Or like they have uh, Nathan Explosion, the singer. Of course, he's a death metal singer, right? Doing the Cookie Monster voice. They have him. They have him reading Shakespeare. Yeah, and he does all of Hamlet. And then they get to the end of it, and when it's over, he's like, I forgot to push record. And, of course, Nathan can't speak anymore because his voice is blown out completely. I mean, it's genius stuff. Yeah, but, again, you, you're right about that. That was the thing that, that uh, Trey, and, Trey and Matt were t- saying about South Park. You can't take real eight-year-olds to do what they did with South Park, right? I mean, no. exactly. But Even though take- we know how we all were at eight – Right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and their, their idea was to have ridiculous situations that adults would see one way, but children see them through a different set of eyes. And they're like, we don't understand what that means. And so I uh, taking that, I don't want to stay in South Park too long. Cause I could, I could do whole cod podcast about South Park, but to um, look at metal, I can't say metal ocalypse, metal ocalypse, metal apocalypse, um, to, to look at metal ocalypse like that. And to say, you know what? It, it's this, um, it's this world you could never do with the four real dudes in spinal tap. Right. I mean, um, you know, the silliest thing they did was have the drummer blow up on stage. Right. And, or I guess one drummer died, choked on his own vomit stuff but you can't you kind of can't do it to the extent that you could do it in a cartoon they could, and like they could talk about it but they can't do it for real right where in a cartoon you can literally do it and it can be funny it can't it could be a little horrifying as a you know in a, oh there are parts or, of metalocalypse that are straight horrifying too like when they when they do the episode where they're they're executing inmates and then they show the uh, the notorious child cannibal murderer at the end about to eat a baby, and and like they stop just as he's about to cut into the baby's leg with a knife, and you're like, oh, like, that's they went too far with that one. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, even cartoons can take it to a, an extreme that um, just ask Tom Cruise about South Park. Um, but uh, no, Tom Cruise, you you should not be in the closet. Um, but they they have this, uh, yeah. That that was a pretty good episode. I, but anyway, I know. <laughs> people who haven't seen it, don't judge what I just said by what you think. You, when you got to see it before you run your mouth about what it what it was that it actually did. But anyway, um, the uh, the thing about um, that is they can take a cartoon and and um, I think it was Seth MacFarlane that that um, they pulled uh, um, Family Guy when they did a, a, an abortion episode. Yeah, when Lois decided to have an abortion. Um, well, I mean, it's tough. I think a lot of that also has to do with where your audience is centered too. And like family guy was at that time, I believe was on Fox. Right. And that's a national network. You got to be careful on a national network, but man, adult swim can get away with a lot. I mean, if you've ever seen that show, Xavier, 
Oh, Xavier. Um, uh, uh, that's uh, Xavier. Dude, no, Xavier. Oh, or if you've never watched it, like it, the show ended with him basically like sleeping with his mother. Yeah. And the the worst part about it was it was this whole like Freudian like head trip thing, yeah. and he walks around talking about booty juice all the time. Yeah. Like it's God's booty juice or something is what he says. It's like, what am I watching? If he, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the whole reason adult swim is exists. So that if you wake up in the middle of the night and you flip on adult swim, you'll just be like totally disoriented. Yeah. You'll be like, I don't know what's going on. I didn't go I have, back to sleep. <laughs> I have a story about this. So I didn't really watch adult swim all that much until my wife and I um, got together Really? And um, I can remember when we first got our, our apartment, um, we were living in a – it was it was like a high rise. Um, we were on the first floor, and we used to we used to walk, leave it leave the TV on at night um, while we slept, but the volume would be da- way down. So we used it as a nightlight, right? right. Um, and <laughs> I remember waking up one night and looking and seeing – because we, we'd watch Metalocalypse and go sleep. And then waking up and then looking and seeing the room. Have you have you watched this movie, The Room, Jim? Yes. I'm, you've probably seen The Disaster what? Artist at least. I've seen both. Okay. I have The Disaster Artist and I have The Room. All right. I walk. I woke up in the like pseudo pornography scene from The Room. Oh my god! And I'm like, so- I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And I think I woke my wife up. I'm like, what are we watching? And then we were like, just we just sat there. We were like, this is like a train wreck. And we had no idea what was going on. The room and you know, is so and, and bad. You know, and, you, and do you know what it was, Jim? It was April Fool's Day. They preempted all their oh, programming and they ran no, and they, they ran, ran the room. room starting at midnight. Oh my god, that's so and, funny. And Mandy and I we looked at each other and we said, "This got to be Eric and Andre or something." Or like this has got to be like like this has got to be a Tim and Eric show. Like no, nothing else that could be going on that would have caused that to happen. The worst. I was like, this has got to be like that, that hospital show they do or like something like that. (laughs) What was, what was terrible about, you know, they knew what's his name? Tommy. um, Tom Wuzo. Wuzo. Okay. Which is probably not his real name. (laughs) Nobody actually knows how old he is. No one knows who he is. They don't even know if that's his real voice. Yeah. He could be Andy Kaufman. Nobody would know. Yeah. He he came out of the blue and he kind of befriended that guy. That's what the whole the 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 what do you call it artist is all about. Yeah. Um and just created the worst movie on the planet. Um and with a with a budget he he funded that whole movie, which in yeah. the beginning he didn't get any money back from. Bankrupt funding that movie (laughs) now he's rich having fun in that movie he he bankrolled a movie and literally while he was making it he people would tell him things like you should rent this you should lease this nobody buys this to make a movie and he's like no no i'm going to buy it (laughs) there was was a scene those who haven't seen it there's a scene where they green screen the roof of a building Oh yeah, and it's the roof of the building they're in. Yes. Instead of going up to the roof of the building and shooting it, they green screen it. <laughs> it yes, so this is a legitimate thing. 
And there's a book about this movie as well. And in the book, they talk about the fact that they were glad that they green screened it because it took him so many takes to do the scenes. Oh, yeah. That they would not have been able to shoot the film had they actually gone up on the roof because they would yeah. have never had enough time. <laughs> yep. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> so a couple couple things you could do on quarantine. Work on your intermediate guitar playing. Watch Metal Watch the Room. Watch the room, which I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Watch I mean, the watch the what is it? What is it called? The something artist, the um, the disaster artist. The disaster, uh, watch the is, disaster is, artist. That's after you watch the room. Watch, no, I think that's better than watching the room. Quite frankly, um, <laughs> the room is a movie that you cannot unsee, and I will not wish that anyone it, can. It's got nothing really bad in it, folks. It's just uh, bad. It's that's just debate, bad. That's debatable. I mean, especially when you real. Uh, uh, Never mind. Um, yeah. It's bad. It was bad enough that I was questioning, was like, terrible. how did they get this on Adult Swim? I know. Um, I was like, holy God, where are the censors? Um, and anyway, so, yes. Um, but I, <laughs> but the point is, like, I think if you're, if you're uh, interested in music culture, there are things like uh, Metalocalypse that are actually worth knowing about, not from the perspective – if you need an icebreaker, you go to an open mic and you want to talk to the guy that's playing metal and you want to talk to him about something, yeah. Metalocalypse is a great Metalocalypse. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. Like being immersed in the community doesn't necessarily mean just playing the instrument and like being good at it. It also means knowing, knowing how to navigate things socially. And that can often mean like, how do you, how do you relate to the others? Um, I know a lot of people like who smoke use that as a social tool, right? right. Like yeah. I well, smoke with them, sit and talk to him. Um, if you don't smoke, you're going to need other things. Right. Um, and so knowing a little bit or enough to actually have a conversation with something that's sort of musically related or something that many musicians like is helpful. It's helpful. It's just like any other friendship you have in your life. I'm sure you guys relate to people by, you know, your love of star Wars or, um, things like that. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. All right. Well, I think for next week, folks, let's, let's talk about, um, let's think about this. So, what is a movie? Because this this came up on sixty cycle hum, and I was actually surprised they didn't think of anything that worked, and I was I was shocked. Um, what is a movie that wouldn't have worked without the soundtrack it had? Oh, think about a movie <laughs> that wouldn't work without the soundtrack. I can think of several. So I can think I'm, of like five or six right off the top of my head. I don't. I could think of I, I could think of movies that were that revolved around music, and I could think about of movies that didn't. It didn't matter. No, it but didn't. I could tell you this: Jaws, Star I, Wars. I mean, Jim's, I Jim's naming are, exactly the ones that I was going to say. Like, could you admit if somebody in our podcast group wants to do that? Like, take like ten minutes of Star Wars and just strip out the music, and then oh, post yeah. it in that group. It would be it's hilarious. Horrible. Because you're going to find out, like, it's not good. Yeah. Like, it loses all its weight. And no. the acting in the first Star Wars movie is not good. It's not good. It is bad. Even Real even Mark Hamill said he, he was like, some days he went in, he was like, I don't know what's going on. And then, and then, uh, <laughs> that might have been um, the drugs, but <laughs> yeah, what do you call it? Well, um, uh, Harrison was stoned out of his mind. He's, he's like, hey, kid, hey, kid, it's just. It's just a movie. It's yeah. like, and it's come on, it's science fiction, really. That's and always, so, <laughs> that's always been his attitude, dude. Yeah. There was all right. 
So Carrie Fisher talks about this, like when they were doing Empire Strikes Back, that they were like in the Hoth tunnels, like the yep. ice cave, and they were doing blow on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Like, how yeah. bad is that? Oh yeah, it's terrible. Um, uh, Harrison uh, or uh, Her- yeah, he would he would smoke he would smoke a um, a bone on the way to the set. Oh, I, I mean, believe, that was, I uh, believe that was his thing in the back of the limo. He was like smoking a fatty. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> so. Uh, I, I can. What would James Bond be without? Dun, 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 I mean, come or, on. Or what would any of the theme songs for yeah. every single movie? I mean, um, I'm thinking they, how could they let me down? I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, they were like, well, I can't really think of anything, and I'm like, what? The first thing that came to mind for me was Star Wars. I went, yeah, and then I went Jaws, and then I went Bond, and I went. You know, um, Indiana Jones. And I was like, oh, Halloween. Halloween. That 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 um, five note. Hit really any John Carpenter movie, but Halloween specifically. Oh, my God. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. What would it have been without that little, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four. Oh, my God. That scared my daughter would not. She had never seen the movie ever ever seen the movie and even as a little kid she'd hear one two freddy's coming for and that scared the pants off her and she had no context no like that's a horror movie context yeah um it's well written (laughs) if, if if a score is well written it is definitely something that makes the the whole movie you could you could say the same about the lighting you could say the same about the directing you could say the same about some other things but there are so many movies that i can't imagine what they would have been even for me the the 60s batman tv show what would it have been without the pow, smack, bang, and Tony, what's his face, is our guitar part that, you know that, Batman. Yeah, come on, it's it's just ridiculous to think. All right, that. I gotta stop this before we end, before we go any further with this episode because we're right. gonna do the next episode. That's right. <laughs> so that's what we want you to think about. Yep, I have been David. I've been Jim, and this week we've been practical guitarists. <laughs>